Every day brings us closer. Closer to the moment when the next generation of NFL stars learn their destiny. And franchises try to lay the foundation for the next dynasty. With the first pick. This is First Draft. Now alongside NFL Draft Insiders Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, here's Chris Brown. Welcome to First Draft for this week, a couple weeks from the NFL Combine, where Todd will do 5,000 interviews and Mel will stay safely hidden away. Uh, Mel, pretty disappointing. I turn on the TV on Wednesday. I remember on this show last week, you discussed growing a beard to match Todd's, and I just want to know, was that your ruling or Kim Kuyper's ruling? Well, it was a combination of things. Every kind of thing aligned perfectly to allow me to cut that and shave. First of all, McShay was supposed to be on the shows yesterday. That was my understanding, you know, taking shots at my mock. McShay was nowhere to be found yesterday. So that, when I found that out, I said, well, all bets are off now. Plus, it, well, as Kuiper, I said, I mean, let's, let's call it what it is, Kuiper. Okay. You're, you're all bark. You're no bite. Uh, yeah, in this case, it's true because it looked awful. And it came it? in, it came in <laughs> looking. How bad? Put it this way. I'd look like I was probably 40 years older than I am. Wow. Okay. When's the last time Kuiper's grown a real true beard? When is the next time? Well, the when's last the last time? time? Have you ever I never done did. It? Never wow. have done it. No. Uh-huh. No. It's gone. If it goes two days, it's a lot. And I hate it. So I will never do it. I tried a mustache and my daughter laughed me out of the room. Um, I can see that looking terrible. Oh, oh awful. Really Made my good. nose look a lot bigger than it is. It's just <laughs> It did. It I, did. Uh, if you have a big funny. nose, don't grow a mustache. I actually thought maybe that you... Uh, in retaliation, nose, uh, in retaliation for the bachelor <laughs> cutting your number one on the big board, I thought you said, "Screw it, I'm not going to grow a beard like this guy." No, no, no. It just looked awful. It looks awful. And I, by the way, the calendar of events coming up: Mar- uh, 24 days till daylight saving time begins. Okay, Who knows 32 that? to 32 days till the first day of spring, and 70, almost 69 days till the draft. Wow, you have so many issues. It's, it's <laughs> Todd, Todd. Who knows? Over, didn't you over say last three year? weeks out, who knows daylight savings? Kuiper, didn't you say last year that you record the weather every day? Is that right? No, no, no. I keep, I keep track of the weather. In my, in my, basically, it's a diary. Every day I, tell, I write in an account of what I did each day. Not what I'm supposed to do because a lot of that is canceled. But whatever right. I did that day, whatever Lauren did, Kim did that was eventful, and I have the weather. Well, it was sun and clouds. Mostly sunny, sun, rain, snow, and the temperature, the high temperature of that day. Now, I got—I think you got to start doing the blue book again. <laughs> I've been doing this for 20 years. So, All guys, right. I can go back to, like, 1987 and tell you exactly what happened that day. Well, let's not do that. Yeah. Um, That's amazing. Preparing a Vinny Testaverde scouting report. Todd, one thing I could tell that uh, the non-bearded Mel Kuyper struggled with on this last mock draft is what to do – with these running backs. And I kind of wanted to talk to you guys about this philosophy. You know, by the time the draft came around last year, we had Zeke to uh, the Dallas Cowboys. You guys both had that right on your final mock. We knew Jerry loved the player. We knew that, and arguably probably the best, the top player on their board at that point. So you could say, hey, they, he could plug in right away, and he's the best player on the board. I want to know, as you guys are talking to teams, if you can see them struggling with – say, knowing a guy is the best player on the board, but if he's a running back. This time, Mel put Leonard Fournette to the Jets at number six. He also had Dalvin Cook 
to the Redskins at 17. Now, at this point, before even the combine, we can say, hey, we don't know where these guys are going to go. These seem like possible fits. But, Todd, I'll start with you. I mean, is a team like the Jets a possibility? Uh, Jets who've, who've been pretty strident and taking the best player available. If Leonard Fournette's that guy, do you do it? Or, I mean, how many teams do you think right off the position in the first round? And, and from the flip side, how many teams will say, you know what, he's the best player, let's just take him? I think it, it really boils down to what you want to be offensively. I, I really do. I mean, there's some teams out there, Dallas Cowboys, one of those teams we saw last year. Clearly the, the uh, Rams were that kind of organization. We'll see moving forward where the emphasis is on the run game. And whether it's a power run, typically zone-blocking teams feel like they can find a back later um, because they know very specifically what they're looking for. Uh, in terms of being able to stick your foot in the ground and, and accelerate up the field, and you know, that's where we saw the Broncos for so many years. They would go in later rounds and go get really good backs, and they did year after year after year. Um, but to your point... I think it really comes down to, to teams and the emphasis they have. And then also, you know, what, what the grade is compared to what else is available on the board. Now, the Jets, I thought about it when I did the mock draft. I wound up, I think, giving Fournette 8 to Carolina, another team that wants to be a, a power run team. And uh, depending on how things shake out in, in free agency and, and salary cap moving forward, they may have a need at, at the running back position. The Jets have other needs. But you sit there at number six, and some of the players at positions that they're looking for have gone off the board. If there's not a quarterback there that they think can be the guy, then uh, then it makes sense. I assume that Fournette would be the, the number one player on their board. Um, and, and to me, Fournette has a chance to be worth it, and, and it's not a bad decision. So I, I could see that pick happening, and if not, I don't think Fournette will last terribly long after that. But it, running back's tough. I mean, there, there's just not many teams – that have a massive emphasis on that position. I think there are more teams in the league now that believe they can get it done with two and three backs and rotate them in than there are teams that are looking to have that one Leonard Fournette, Zeke Elliott type of guy. Mel, do you do you think there are teams that will just flat out say, I don't care where he is. I don't care if we're picking 28 and Leonard Fournette's there. I'm not taking a running back in round one. Do you run into that? Not really, no. I think that was just something I started a long time ago, and Todd knows that, about that whole philosophy about not taking a running back, just because I saw how many teams were having great success without going that route. And you look at Denver, Todd mentioned Denver, I think it's Shanahan as well. Wherever Mike Shanahan went, they ran the ball. And you go back to Mike Anderson, Orlandis, Gary, Terrell Davis, the list goes on and on and on. And I didn't feel there was a need. Twelve playoff teams this year, 11 of the 12 did not have a first-round running back. Only one did was the Dallas Cowboys with Zeke Elliott. So look at the Super Bowl teams. you got late-round picks. you got undrafted free agents. you got a third-rounder and a fourth-rounder in Atlanta. So I think uh, that proves the point. But to the point about, okay, are these guys worthy of being a consensus-type pick? They're really not. There's not a consensus that Fournette's going to be Adrian Peterson. There's not a consensus that Dalvin Cook's going to be a great back week after week that could be out there for 16 or 18, 19 games. And Christian McCaffrey, there's a consensus on what kind of back he'll be. There's not a consensus on whether he's a first-round caliber player. So that's the issue. Same thing with Alvin Kamara, who Todd had in his last mock. So that's the struggle. And then finding teams that are going to take these guys. That's the thing, too. I mean, they have other needs. Todd said it. It's hard to find teams that will say, okay, when draft day rolls around, 
and Dalvin Cook sitting there, who could take him? Uh, I thought about Cleveland at 12, but they have pressing needs other places. There are a lot of running backs you can get later in the draft. I mentioned Carolina. Green Bay, I think, would be a perfect fit for Christian McCaffrey. Will he be there? I don't know. I do think McCaffrey will test well. He'll interview off the charts, and I think he'll be a hot guy over the next few months. But we'll see. I mean, like I say, these, these juniors, these underclassmen, you don't have measurables on yet. Todd, do you think that there's any chance we see, you know, Leonard Fournette slides like an Aaron Rodgers slide? We always talk about slides. It seems like it always comes to quarterbacks or just an insane story like a Laramie Tunsil. But, I mean, just given given that there's, you know, three or four of these really good running backs that are first-round types, I mean, maybe there's a lot of teams that will pass on a Dalvin Cook saying, ah, we'll get Kamara or – Perrine or a Kareem Hunt, maybe even a Joe Mixon in round two or round three. I mean, could that happen? Could we see Fournette or Cook just have that huge slide? Boy, I'd, I'd be surprised. I mean, I, what define a huge slide? To, I could know, see Fournette. if Fournette falls past like 15, that tells me that a top five player, teams are saying, you know what, he's a running back. We're going to – and maybe Cook is, say, 25. Yeah. I think it, past 15, you would probably start to feel like it, it was a slide, and I think it would have to do in part, too, with the fact that he has never really played a full season. He's mm-hmm. he's had some issues and, and it struggled a little bit to stay on the field, and, and what do teams think of him in the passing game? I thought he improved a little bit this year from, from what I saw catching the football, but uh, he can still improve as, as a pass catcher, and is he ever going to be a – a you know dynamic type player in the passing game and so you start adding those things up and maybe a team in the top 10 like Carolina goes in a different direction or like the New York Jets Uh, but let's put it this way it won't be mind-blowing but it would be really surprising if he if he got to you know 20 somewhere in the range of the 20s I think that would be a, a huge slide Mel what's the lowest you can imagine Fournette going Wow, I'd, I'd probably say eight uh, to Carolina. I would wow. be surprised if he got past eight. If he slid past 12, where Cleveland is sitting, uh, it would be a, a struggle there to get him past there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same thing with Detroit. Detroit at 21, I thought about trying to push somebody down there and couldn't. Uh, McCaffrey, could he go that high by the time we get to April 27th? Maybe. Uh, he'd certainly be a great weapon, another weapon for Matthew Stafford in both the run game and the pass game, which their running game at a lot of times, though late in the year, uh, was pretty non-existent. Uh, but I think when you look at, at the running backs, there are there are some intriguing guys that you can get in the third, fourth, fifth round. You saw what Tevin Coleman did as a third-round pick for the Atlanta Falcons. We've seen that time and time again. Look at Le'Veon Bell in Pittsburgh with the Steelers, second-round pick out of Michigan State. So I think teams that will be patient, I think a running back, Historically, every year, Todd, we see it. Running back Jordan Howard, fifth round to Chicago last year. Historically, look at Kenneth Dixon, fourth round to Baltimore. Every year we talk about these steals for running backs and rounds that they should have never been available in. Now, I know it's all about fit, but just to, just to cap this running back mm-hmm. uh, section, I know, uh, Todd, you can start. Who is the running back that maybe is a little bit further down the board, You know, at least outside of the top five? Where people are going to say, by the time the draft is, oh, that's Todd's guy. Todd loves that guy. Who is who's a running back that you know? Who's a sleeper? Who's going to be you know? I know it's all about fit. You know, Jordan Howard. You know, the fit was great. The injuries that all happened, but who who do you just like? Who's going to be better than his slot? I would say, 
One guy that stands out is is um, Matt Days from North Carolina State. I think he'll probably wind up going in the fourth, fifth round. He's not overly dynamic or explosive, but he's just a well-rounded back with really good vision, toughness. Um, he just he, he catches the ball well. He does a lot of different things, and I think he's got a chance to to be a player that comes in and no expectations, and if he gets in the right system behind the right offensive line, could wind up having some production. Kareem Hunt's another one. I thought his his tape is is good. You, it's hard sometimes because of the level of competition coming up, playing in the MAC as a Toledo back. It's five ten and a half, perfect measurables. I like got backs that are six feet and under, and two hundred and thirty seven pounds. And he, I think he checked into two twenty three, somewhere in that range. Um, at the Senior Bowl, and really impressive at the Senior Bowl that week, catching the ball, uh, just got some, I think, the lateral agility, cutting ability, change of direction uh, to succeed in the in the NFL and create yards on his own. That's what a lot of guys don't do, and I think, you know, you get so caught up in, in some of the yards and the big plays and all that when there's a huge hole and there, there isn't contact, but how do guys create yards on their own? And I think that, that Hunt is a, is a back that does a really good job of that. Um, I'm interested to see some of these guys run, too. I mean, Williams coming out of, out of Utah, uh, Joe Williams reportedly is, is running ridiculous times, and there's some different backs. But I think those are two that kind of that jump out to me. Jeremy McNichols, I, I've liked a little bit of what I've seen from him. Boise State could be a late-rounder free agent. So uh, there's, there's a few guys out there. What about you, Mel? Anybody left after uh, Todd? Todd covered the board. Ones? Yeah, I was going to go to Joe Williams, but Todd grabbed him before I could. What about Jamal? <laughs> what about Jamal Williams, Mel? Jamal Williams, hard charging runner. He got a little Jordan Howard in him. We talked about him a little last week. I think D'Angelo Henderson is a kid out of Coastal Carolina. Incredible production, versatility as well. He has game breaking ability. I think he's the kind of guy that could interest some people at a round where he'll be a bargain. Um, yeah, I think you look at, at guys like Marcus Cox at App State. When he was healthy, he did a nice job uh, you know, picking up significant yardage for them. So look a little off the, the, the 1A ranks into the 1AA ranks. Khalid Abdullah, James Madison had a great year, 1,800-plus yards, uh, 22 rushing touchdowns, averaged over six yards a carry, and caught 15 passes out of the backfield. So I think there's some 1AA guys that I think late or maybe as undrafted free agents where you seem to find guys, Todd. We see, I mean, people forget Arian Foster went undrafted. Okay, right. I mean, out of Tennessee. I mean, it's been crazy how yeah, running he's, backs. This was injuries, I think. Yeah, look at Kelly at Washington this year with the Redskins, undrafted. So it's, it seems like it happens. So Maje Pirine's another one at Oklahoma, the underclassman. So there's, there's going to be backs that, that shock you as to how late they go, and some of these guys won't go at all. Uh, yeah, Thomas at, at Temple's another kid, has ability. So there's a lot of those guys that will be guys that Todd and I will be touching on very late, and some will have one of our free agent list. It could be nice additions uh, undrafted. And how about Joe Mixon? That's, I mean, he's not invited to the combine because of the off-the-field issue, the video that most people have seen at this point. You know, the late-night incident where he punched a woman and um, wound up sitting out a year and then came back this year and just a lot of controversy around that situation for obvious reasons. But he is a super talented back. And I think if, if he was clean off the field, we'd be talking about him First in the top. Round. Yeah, like – Maybe in the top three, four backs in this class. So it's going to be interesting to see what comes of that and, and where he winds up going. But, but, um, he will not be at the combine. We won't get any official numbers on him. And uh, Abdul, as you mentioned from James Madison, I was surprised because the, the list just came out recently. And I was surprised that Abdullah was not on that list. I was hoping to, to see him after the season he had.
for James Madison? Well, we hit the running backs a little bit. I wanted to get going this week, guys, as we uh, we usually hit three or four a week and start counting down. We got about ten weeks to the draft. So let's get cracking with it this week after the break. We will start at the top of the draft. We're going to get the Browns, the Niners, the Bears, and the Jags today. And uh, we'll keep counting down as we get closer to the end of April. The Cleveland Browns. Guys, it tells you everything you need to know about the Cleveland Browns that they drafted 14 guys last year. And everybody made the roster. I mean, that's incredible. You draft five or six, you figure maybe three or four make the roster. But the Cleveland Browns essentially decided they've stayed out of free agency. They just decided, hey, we're just going to hit reset. We'd rather be 1 and 15 or almost 0 and 16 than spend money and be 5 and 11. They really hit the reset button. <laughs> Early returns on last year's draft Corey Coleman looks like he can be a player if they can get a quarterback. Emmanuel Ogba showed some things. Uh, Carl Nassib, Sean Coleman saw the field. Cody Kessler actually looked half-decent in spots. After that, it gets pretty spotty, including just a ton of wide receivers. We have no answers. But, hey, you know, they knew what they were doing, and it's all about this year now. They have the first pick, and they have the 12th pick. Unfortunately, Todd, as you know, you've been saying it, there's no obvious quarterback to take with that first pick. I don't care what you think about Deshaun Watson or Mitch Trubisky. I mean, that's a huge risk at one. I guess the question is, is this purely a best player situation? And would you rather turn that 12th pick into another quarterback, like a Jimmy Garoppolo, or would you like to sign guys? Where Play GM here, Todd, as we like to do come April. What What's your thought process here if you're the Cleveland Browns? Well, thought process is I've got to continue to get better football players just upgrade wherever we can and and outside of quarterback when they decide to target that if they are still in that situation who knows if they're going to go out and bring in a free agent or try to swing a deal with new england if new england's willing to to deal for garoppolo but to me quarterback is the number one priority there's no question about that that's obvious then running back i think becomes a possibility in the first round um terrell Pryor is he is he going to wind up returning? Um, the offensive line situation, you've got Joe Thomas. How long is he, he going to be there? Austin uh, Pastor is is a uh, free agent coming up. Will Sean Coleman be able to step in and, and be that starting tackle? Uh, so there are a lot of questions on, the, on both sides of the ball, really. I, I think to me, it, it continue, if I was Cleveland, continue to move around, get additional picks, I think at number one, you've got to sit there and, and take the best player on the board. And it seems like just about everyone agrees it's uh, Miles Garrett. It'll be interesting to see as we get closer if, if opinions start to differ, if there's anything that happens between now and, and the draft that would make you change your mind on that. But if you can get a pass rusher and Garrett with that first pick, then maybe if you're in the quarterback market or, or going out and, and trying to get a, a playmaker at wide receiver or tight end, even though I know they, they brought in a bunch of receivers last year, but they – I don't look at any of these guys and say, hey, that's a clear-cut number one. So we'll see what's available when they come on the board again at 12. But moving down in a few different spots, getting additional picks, they can't bring in enough guys, in my opinion. Mel, where are you on these guys? And one other thing to well, remember, Greg Williams comes in as the defensive coordinator, you know, famously an attacking mm-hmm. coordinator. Uh, but, Mel, go ahead. Well, I wonder what Todd said. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be – 
incredibly hot come April 27th and before because he, the price, Todd, and tell me if you, that's going up and up and up because oh, yeah. Trubisky is a one-year guy and Watson struggled until later in the year. And from the pocket, how effective will he be? So if you want to win now and you're Cleveland, which wants to start winning, and Chicago needs to win this coming year, as does the Jets, Okay, then you throw in the 49ers and Buffalo and other teams that could go the rookie route if they want. But to me, you're going to have at least a minimum of three teams that really want Garoppolo. If you're New England, you come away with a bonanza here. People talk about the 12th pick. and I think you can get multiple high picks, maybe another one next year. I think the price here is going way up through the roof. And I think Garoppolo, wherever he ends up, and I think Cleveland would be the ideal spot. It wouldn't be bad to be in Chicago either. Jets are a possibility. But I think Cleveland makes sense. They made the deal for Jamie Collins. Uh, they had the picks to, to, to deal, and they should be willing to do that. They drafted a lot of guys last year, some of whom did come on. They they add Garrett to Nassib and Ugba. you got some outside guys. you got Shelton inside. you had Schobel. you got Kendrick on the back end. You added some guys, some pieces. But you need that dynamic presence, and Garrett could be. Then you bring Garoppolo in. You're head and shoulders above where you were there, and you close the gap on Dalton, Flacco, and Roethlisberger a bit, and you're maybe ready to step up to a borderline playoff team if you get Garrett and Garoppolo and added pieces. I'm really concerned with the offensive line. Cam Irving's been a disappointment so far. Batonio got hurt. The offensive line's got to be, obviously, much better. And the running back, do they look at Dalvin Cook at 12 if they keep that somehow maintain that pick? Do they look at a, a dynamic, game-breaking running back? At some point, I think they could go that route. But getting Garoppolo, I think, is front and center for probably three teams right now. Mel or Todd? Well, Todd, you can take it. Mel, you just answered. Todd, could you see a situation where maybe they bring in a veteran quarterback? I'm not even. I'm not even talking about Garoppolo, but actually just sign one of these guys. Sign a Mike Glennon, who, by the way, I mentioned this before, had a rookie year in Tampa that looked an awful lot like what Carson Wentz did last year. Just they just didn't go back to him. Um, or a Glennon, or even a Tyrod Taylor. Well, there's these. There's going to be some movement in, with the quarterbacks this year, and then you just get three great players, or you even consider, as it's happened in in some years recently, getting that quarterback at the beginning of round two. We've seen the Bengals do it. Obviously, Oakland famously hit a home run there. Um, but is there a quarterback at 33 that you could consider? No, it depends on who's still around. Yeah, I mean. Are we going to see Mitch Trubisky and Watson both go? Deshaun Watson both go in the first round. Is Deshaun Kaiser going to go? I mean, it, and teams are all over the board when, I, when I've talked to them. I don't know about Mel, but some guys think Trubisky, they wouldn't touch him. He's, he's got so much work to do and only 13 starts. Some guys think that they, he's clearly the best. Um, there's probably more love for Trubisky in the league uh, than there is any of the other quarterbacks, but they're – Teams I've talked to that think Deshaun Watson could be the best. Teams I've talked to that think Kaiser in in time, if developed properly, has the tools to be the best of this group, but is the furthest away right now because he doesn't have a a great amount of starts either. And and the inconsistency and up and down and being benched this past season and and is he emotionally mature enough? Can he handle it? Is he a – what kind of guy is he in the locker room? And there's all sorts of questions with – with Kaiser, but he's he's got the, the prototypical frame. He can move. He's got a big arm. He can make throws down the field that these other two guys can really, I don't see a lot of. So it's going to be interesting to see. After that, to me, you're looking at massive projects like a Pat Mahomes, 
from Texas Tech, who, yes, has some ability, but his, his mechanics are as flawed as any quarterback in this class and probably in the last couple of years coming into the draft. Uh, Nate Peterman, to me, has the ability to become a really good backup, but is, does he have starter ability? I, I don't know. Brad Kaya from Miami has some tools, but can he – can he throw the ball down the field consistently enough and maybe he needs to be in the right system? And there's a bunch of other guys that are late-round prospects that, to me, are, would be real big surprises if they wound up developing into starters like Davis Webb, uh, C.J. Beathard from Iowa, Chad Kelly from Ole Miss, Seth Russell from Baylor, long-term uh, developmental projects. So this class, you know, we say it every week, I feel like. There's there's not a lot of elite talent. At the, there's no elite talent, I don't think, at the top of the draft. There's a few guys that are interesting, and then there's there's kind of a big drop off and not a lot of depth. So after a pretty good group a year ago, Mel, this it is tough to be in a situation where you have a dire need at the quarterback position because there's just not a lot of hope out there. Mel, let's cap the Browns section. Just put put a put this. The Browns are crazy if they do what at number one. If they do what at number one, um, you know, I would think at that point you could say, and I, and I love them, but if they took a quarterback, I think that's something where you're almost taking the quarterback for the next coach. Unless you know if you're Hugh Jackson, you got two or three more years because you have to develop that guy, and yeah. you got an offensive line that's iffy. Coleman still has to prove he can be a dynamic receiver in this league. He's still a little hit or miss. Uh, there's so many issues. So I think going the route of Garoppolo is the best route for them. Uh, I really do. And I think if they did take the, the, the young quarterback, you're stretching it so much where you just can't do it. So I would tell you if they take Trubisky or Watson at, at one Knowing their situation, and it's not a contradiction to say Trubisky should go too, because what is what is John Lynch and what does Kyle Shanahan have? They have the benefit of a lot of time to develop Mitch Trubisky, realizing that hey, all he needs is just to be seasoned a little bit and get some experience and work with him. And he's got all the talent in the world. He's got the right work ethic and passion for the game. So San Francisco would be a good pick for Trubisky. For Cleveland, it would be a bad pick. The San Francisco 49ers. The Niners have placed an emphasis in recent years on volume. The problem is, while they've had some hits at the top of the draft, in general, bad QB play overall. I mean, last year it was the you know dog sled race between Colin Kaepernick and Blaine Gabbert has obviously set them back. And but it just in general, they haven't hit. Um, they really haven't hit beyond round one that much in recent years. And they've also taken some risks on some guys who were injured, the Lattimores, the Brandon Thomases, even a Tank Carradine who haven't panned out very well. Todd, I, I mean, the central question with the Niners draft this year is what is what's the best way to make this team competitive quickly from a quarterback standpoint? Or does Kyle Shanahan just want to go with the rookie? If you looked at the state of the roster, you might say, yeah, go with the rookie. You guys aren't that close anyway. So why go out, try to get a Romo, try to get a Tyrod Taylor, try to get somebody who's a little bit more ready to go. If you're the GM, or even put yourself in Kyle Shanahan's shoes, Todd, what's your what's your philosophy here with the second pick and really with the quarterback position? Well, they need a lot. There's no question about it. It really matters, I think, do they fall in love with, with one of these guys at, at number two. And it remains to be seen, and, and they still have a lot of time to spend with these guys. 
Uh, it's going to me. I, I just look at their situation. They've the need that's obvious: a quarterback, offensive line, outside linebacker, cornerback. I mean, you can go. There's so many needs that they have as a two and fourteen team. Is Shanahan going to fall in love with Watson or Trubisky or even Kaiser and say, you know what, this is our guy. We're going to struggle, but we just got the job. We're going to break him in, whether it's starting him right away or, or you know, waiting half the season or trying to sit him out for the full, full year, which we haven't seen a lot of in recent years. So I, I think that's really the emphasis. I just don't know that you're, if you're the 49ers, who's out there? I mean, Tony Romo makes no sense just because of his, his age and how many years that he presumably has left. Kirk Cousins, can you make a run for him? We talked about Jimmy Garoppolo. Can you afford to put all that money in a guy who we think can be a good starter, but we haven't seen it on any kind of consistent basis? Um, some people would say A.J. McCarron is, is an interesting guy for what, you know, maybe you give away a day two pick. Or maybe you, you wind up just taking value at the top of the board and, and going after um, a rookie in the draft that is in the third, fourth round range. I mentioned Davis Webb is, is a possibility. You know where you're going to wind up getting a guy like him or two or three of the other quarterbacks and try to develop them on the back end. Maybe that makes sense. So they can go in a bunch of different directions, but I, I think first and foremost they've got to figure out is Trubisky, Kaiser, Watson, those guys can they be that quarterback that Shanahan is looking to develop and, and kind of start this marriage off with. Mel, if you had a choice here, would you rather be starting Trubisky next year or one of these guys that's, you know, they're not all quote-unquote available, but another quarterback around the league, a Glennon, a Taylor, I think Todd's right that Romo's kind of a crazy idea here, but what are you thinking? The stopgap, the bridge to the quarterback is all you would want if you want to get somebody that can allow you to win a few Maybe games. Maybe it and, could be Matt and, Schaub, by the way. There's a lot of talk on yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, Trubisky to me makes – I mean, I think if we all sit here and we say, okay, we don't have Trubisky at one or two. He had one year as a starter. Bill Polino's going on record. Bill has said, I, mean, I wouldn't take him in the first round. It's all based on that whole Parcells philosophy, which, you know, you're fine. If you need more experience and you feel like that works, and Todd, you've chronicled it on this podcast about the experience factor for a college kid as opposed to one coming in with 13 starts. But if Trubisky would have had another year at North Carolina and lit it up, based on what we know about Trubisky right now, Todd, would there be any question next year you'd have had him number one on your board at this stage of next season? He would he would probably be up there, yeah. Top number one, top, probably, probably number top one. five, top ten. Could yeah, be, if, yeah. If not one, if he'd had another great year, and that would have been two full years, and and done all these things, which you know in that offense he would have been able to do, even though they lost some key entities. Obviously, everybody does, but Trubisky mm-hmm. is a talented kid. We're only knocking him because he's got one year as a starter. Nobody's knocking him on anything but that. Now you look at the Stanford yeah. all you want. You uh, can look. Yeah, he's not perfect. I understand. I mean, there's a there, there's yeah. a, there's a handful yeah. of throws oh, yeah. that you watch and yeah, you say, I oh boy. I saw the Stanford game. I saw him miss an open receiver, and I saw him make some bad decisions. I saw him careless with the ball and fumble it away. Uh, but, yeah, hey, you know, they couldn't block Solomon Thomas in that game. So the offensive line got manhandled by Thomas, and he had a bad game, as Derek Carr did against USC. When everybody's, I can't. You can't take Derek Carr. Did you see how he played against USC? They were over. They were outmanned. They were overmatched and didn't affect Derek Carr's status in the NFL as an early second-round pick. I'm not saying Trubisky's going to be. I think the, the big knock on him right now is, the lack of experience. And we can nitpick yeah. about any scoreback. No, nobody's and coming think, in perfect from a mechanical, technical, or decision-making. So you can nitpick and pick, and pick apart any of these guys in certain games. But in terms of next year, with another of year of experience, is, where would he be? The lack of experience is part of the reason. Um, I presume that you see throws like the two – I mean, the two Stanford throws 
Yeah. It wasn't really about pressure. That was just about not seeing right. receivers. He didn't see the backside linebacker or the backside safety, right. whatever it was. I can't remember. I watched it a while ago uh, on the first interception. And the second one, I had no idea what in the world he was looking at because the, the DB was right there sitting right. in coverage and, and he just threw it right to him. It was a pick six. No, I know, but, but he, there were a couple throws in the, uh, the earlier, the game right before the, the uh, what was it, the ACC title game, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, the, rain, the rain game, the, the rain, rain game, there was a, a rain. Yeah, game. the rain was, game. He's, he's he bad. Throw that out. Other than that, I mean, yeah, I mean, my point with San Francisco is they have two or three years, at least two, to develop Mitch. If they decide he has all the talent and the potential to round off the edges a little bit, okay, and make him the quarterback that Kyle Shanahan feels can become a Matt Ryan type with more time and working with them all year. That's my point is where do you think he can be? It's not about where he is now. This means nothing. Nitpicking about it now means nothing. Where will he be? Down the road, does he have the mental capability and the physical capability with the coaching and with a pro situation to be a really good starting quarterback well, in this league? Here, here I'll, Todd, I'll throw you this. NC Given State was the, the game I was thinking of, his last regular season game, NC State. He but, had a couple throws in that one. I mean, just about all of the tough games, NC State, Duke, um, uh, Virginia Tech, which was – I would chalk a lot of that up. That was just – I mean, they had 18 inches and in, – or what was it, eight inches and 18 hours of, of rain? It was just, that was a brutal game to watch. Guys, the one thing that, you know, we keep talking about quarterback or something else, or should they bring in a veteran, there's one other thing to be thrown out here. Somebody might want Trubisky, and maybe Shanahan's not in love with him. Maybe he's not in love with Watson either. I mean, the wide receiver group here in the Niners is probably a bottom five group. The offensive line is a problem. Joe Staley's not getting any younger at left tackle. You know, they got Armstead and Buckner on the defensive line, but the defense was bad, frankly, last year. Navarro Bowman's health's been an issue. I mean, isn't this also, I don't want to just say stack up the picks again, but isn't this also a team that could just, they could use about 10 more really good football players and maybe they should look to, you know, add an extra second-round pick at the least and maybe move down? I mean, mm-hmm. aren't you thinking about that, Todd, if you're not in love with one of these guys? Yeah, and it's frustrating, too, because you've got all, all these players that you spent good value with in the draft that just have not turned out. I mean, Tank Carradine, your edge rushers, they have a major need for an edge rusher. Aaron Lynch was a fifth-round pick. He's done some stuff. Eli Harold is flash, but that's a fifth-round pick, a third-round pick, and Tank Carradine was a second-round pick, and, and you're still looking for, for edge rushers. You know, uh, Jaquiski Tart, former second-round pick, not playing up to, to second round value. So there's there's a lot of guys where you, that you looked at coming out of the draft and said, well, he's got a chance to develop properly. And maybe it's, yep, yeah, exactly, exactly. So they, yes, they need, and they need 10 good football players, but they should have the 10 football good football players. It's just that they have not, whether it's they picked the wrong guys or they haven't developed them properly because of everything going on in that organization, we'll probably never know. But the the bottom line is they've had too many early-round picks of guys that, that should have been good starters in the league that have not panned out, and this is what happens when you start. When you don't get three to four players that are quality good starters for you from every draft, 
you're putting yourself in a, a real tough situation to have sustained success in this league. Joshua Garnett last year had his ups and downs as a rookie. So, you know, they have not nailed it. Uh, they have a lot of areas of concern, but uh, they have a tough to call. And this is Shan- This is on Kyle Shanahan, Todd and, and Chris, because if you draft that quarterback, he is tied to you. You have a five, six-year deal, whatever it is. Mitch Trubisky, Deshaun Watson's your pick at two, the second pick overall. That's going to determine your fate. The Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears are a team that I think was surprised that they really didn't take a step forward at all this past year. I mean, but they're also the definition of the way the NFL works in the sense that if you're, you're there's a lot of teams that were really competitive through four quarters of football every week and go 5-11. and 11. The Bears were worse than that, but they also looked like one of those teams where with better quarterback play, uh, they could be a really competitive team overnight, and that's even in a really tough NFC North where you have the Packers, you have a young Lions team with a good quarterback, and obviously Minnesota, uh, very competitive, though we you know we don't know what's going to go on with them. But, man, Chicago Bears have a lot of good young players on the defensive side of the ball. They've, they've had some hits on the offensive side of the ball, at least along the offensive line in recent years. Mel... Again, it seems like the Bears are dismissed a little bit as a team that could consider a quarterback in round one. They're a very popular name for a guy like Tony Romo. People actually think, and maybe I don't think they're that crazy, that if the Bears had really good quarterback play or even top 15 quarterback play, it'd just be a completely different situation. It'd be nice if Kevin White was healthy. It'd be nice if Alshon Jeffrey comes back to complete that picture, but do you buy into that at all? Do you think the Bears should should be out of the quarterback picture and be more in a guy like Jonathan Allen where you you and Todd have both mocked him? What's your take here? I mean, play GM a little bit. Well, I think if you're a GM, you've done a good job bringing in some talent, Pace has. And, and Fox is a coach we know you can win with, but you've got to get the quarterback. Matt Barkley did a really good job. He can be a really good backup. Jeez. Um, yeah, what are you saying G's for? I don't think he did that good of a job. I think he I just did a good of a job because we didn't expect much. Well, How's I don't that? know. I don't know if we were looking at the same game. I thought he did a really nice job. He threw some interceptions, but I think overall for I what he had around him, yeah. Kevin White's been a disappointment. That's really hurt this offense. Yeah. Kevin White uh, hasn't developed into anything yet. That's hurt. When you get a top ten pick and you get no production out of that player, that hurts you. Uh, he's still young. We'll see what happens. But I think quarterback. You mentioned the Romo. I think Romo makes the most sense here. They got to win. They can't go another year. And Todd, one more year of five and eleven, six and ten. That's you're it. changing everything. So they got they got pressure now to win right away, not win three years down the road. They need. They could use a safety who can make some big plays. They could certainly have, they certainly have some good young talent in the front seven. You add Jonathan Allen to that mix, all of a sudden you've gotten a lot better. So whether it's Allen, whether it's Jamal Adams, whoever it may be, defensively, they got to go that route, and they got to get a proven entity, a quarterback. I don't care who it is. It's got to be a proven entity. And if you get Romo, if you get Romo, can Romo stay healthy? I mean, you're rolling a dice on a quarterback that's up there in age and has had serious injuries that have prevented him from playing a full season over the years. But I guess you have to take that risk. It's going to be interesting to see. You know, early returns, I thought they had a pretty good draft last year. Yeah. You know, and, and that's a, a group that should continue to, to help this team. Um, you, you start to look at, obviously, Jordan How- Howard was a steal in the, the fifth round. We mentioned that earlier. Cody Whitehair, starter uh, at the center position, moving from left tackle to Kansas State center is a second-round pick. Uh, Got to be really excited about his future. Nick Kwiatkowski is, um, I think, has a chance to be a good starter. It was that three-four inside linebacker. Uh, there was another guy too that, that really. 
Jonathan Bullard even flashed a little bit here and there. Yeah, a little bit. So you've got and Leonard Floyd too at, at outside linebacker saw some some flashes, and I, I think he's a guy that you knew had the athletic ability and was going to take a little time to develop. Uh, but he's got a chance to be a good edge rusher when it's all said and done. So they've got some pieces, as you mentioned. Can they figure out the quarterback? It's, it's the same story for all, all three of these teams, really. Yeah. Well, what are they going to do with the quarterback position? And and is there who goes number two? You know, does Cleveland or San Francisco wind up taking Trubisky or Watson or Kaiser? And if they if one of those guys is off the board, is is that the player at the quarterback position that Chicago maybe wanted? I personally, I'm. I don't know. It's just, I don't know that I've ever been this deep into a draft here. I know we still have a bunch of time, but I, where I felt like there's a really good chance that one, one or two of these quarterbacks come off the board in the top ten, but I really, truly don't think the value is there from what I've seen so far. So that's going to be interesting to see, it, and we'll see in the free agent market, and if there are any trades for veterans, you know, how – how these teams are reacting as they're getting all their college grades in and the coaching staffs are sitting down and watching these quarterbacks, the general managers starting to watch more and, and get a better feel for, for what they really, truly could be looking at in terms of drafting a quarterback and what his future could be. And let me just say one thing on the Bears to finish it up. If they don't find receivers who can catch the football, I don't care if you have Pop Brady mm-hmm. in Chicago, Aaron Rodgers in That's Chicago, they drop. When you know about Barkley, Barkley had a hell of a finish. Okay, he did a great job at the end of the year. He had drop ball after drop the ball Titans after drop game, ball. He literally hit hit guys in the chest to won win that the game twice. Right. Bellamy I mean, dropped one, and that wasn't yeah. the only game. It was multiple games. I don't have them in front of me the, the games. That was one. There was multiple games where they had drop after drop after drop, and until they shore that up. The quarterback positions are irrelevant, but they have to get the quarterback, but they better get some receivers who can catch the daggone ball. And the frustrating thing is they've spent in the last, what, five years, they've spent a first-round pick on White. Alshon Jeffrey was a second-round pick, and, and they've had some other guys that, that have flashed, and it looks like um, the late-round pick that they got out of Washington State. Uh, Wilson. Wilson's name. Marquise Wilson. Uh, yeah, yeah, Wilson. Mar- Marquise Keeps Wilson. He Right, he he can't stay healthy. So they've had some guys that look like they're going to be be able to step up and become the go-to guy, and it, it just has not happened so far. And they've used a, a handful of picks, a decent amount of picks in the last five drafts, where you would think that they'd be set at that position. But Jacksonville Jaguars, the Jacksonville Jaguars, are now I think off the top of my head, we're going on six years now where they haven't exceeded five wins. It's just an incredible run of futility, frankly. Um, and, you know, guys, the funny thing about the Jacksonville Jaguars every year is, at least the last few years, I feel like they've done a pretty good job. I wasn't a big Blake Bortles fan, so we'll, we'll put that. So just call it the last two years. I mean, last year they got Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack, Yannick Ngakwe. Again, just right at the top three. The previous year, Dante Fowler obviously lost the rookie year. TJ Yeldon, AJ Khan. I mean, they got guys where you said, oh, those guys are going to play. And I, I keep thinking this is a team that's drafting well, and maybe that's my fault because maybe I'm just realizing, well, you're always going to draft well when you're at the top of the draft, and you just are drafting guys that you think can play right away. But I guess that really speaks to, I guess the roster's just not in that great of a shape year after year because these guys can play right away. Um, Todd, I guess I'll start with you. The big question for me is, I know Blake Bortles has another year. I know that they think that there's still something to be done there, but he's also played three seasons. It hasn't gotten a lot better, to be honest, and they're not winning football games. 
I, assuming you don't draft a quarterback in round one, for obvious reasons, are you considering one of those two- and three-year project guys in rounds, even as early as round two or three, because... You know, if you're a new coach, new you know, new situation there, you're thinking, well, I gotta have a I gotta have a fallback plan here. It can't just be Chad Henney and Brandon Allen. I mean, what is the thought process here? Well, I'm hopeful that Blake Bortles bounces back, and that part of the mechanical issues was the fact that he wasn't fully healthy and and kind of was adjusting accordingly. Because to be honest, it was one of the bigger surprises I thought of last year. Because Bortles' first two years were kind of what I expected them to be. He, he flashed at times as a rookie, but had a lot of up and downs behind a bad offensive line with receivers that were, were not very good. And he coming out in the draft, he had mechanical issues that he recognized, was working on, and finally got a full offseason to, to really go in and work on those things. And the second year was really good. And he had receivers around him that were making plays, and the offensive line was getting a little bit better. And then year three comes, and, and yes, there were some injuries around him, but he, he just didn't look good. He, he looked like his mechanics were completely off. And I don't know, again, is it a byproduct of the injuries? Did he just go back to some, some old bad habits? Or is he getting, starting to get gun-shy uh, because of all the pressure that he's been under during the first three years of his career? So, I mean, I'm hopeful, but I can't trust that Bortles is going to, to bounce back and be the quarterback that we expected him to be in the fourth year of his contract. And so, yes, to answer your question, whether it's a Brad Kaya, a Nate Peterman, uh, a Pat, Pat Mahomes, a developmental guy, um, even a, a Josh Dobbs, I mentioned Davis Webb before, um, in various rounds, I think you have to use a pick. I'm for drafting a quarterback every year for every organization. I, I would draft one every single year, even you know seventh round, whatever it is, but someone that I identify that has some of the traits that we can develop because of how important that position is. Uh, so the Jacksonville is no different, and certainly there's more of an emphasis, and it won't surprise me if it's a, a second- or third-round pick, uh, just to, to try to start working with a young quarterback to develop if Bortles doesn't, doesn't mature and, and get to the point that he should. Now, the one thing that's, that stands out with Jacksonville, and I agree, they've had a lot of picks where I've said, oh, this guy's going to be really good, and they're, they're heading in the right direction. But this is what happens when you miss on first-round picks year in and year out. And, and for different reasons. Some guys, just terrible supporting cast. Some guys, they got wrong on talent evaluation. Some guys have had character or off-the-field baggage. Some guys have had durability issues. But in 2010, Tyson Alu just never became the dominant player that they expected him to be, and I thought was a reach at the time. Blaine Gabbert obviously flamed out quickly at quarterback in 2011. 2012, Justin Blackman, the off-the-field issues. Luke Jokel just missed, I think, in, in 2013. Um, Blake Bortles now, big questions about him going into year four. Dante Fowler in 2015 coming in with the, the durability issues, taking risk. You know, they, they took some risk there. And then Jalen Ramsey last year, it looks like he's going to wind up, turn out all right. But they used a second round pick on Miles Jack, who has a, a major risk factor. Now, the, the reward could be great, but there's major risk. And I just don't know if you're the Jaguars, you can afford to be making a lot of risk picks when you have so many roster spots that you need to fill with quality players. Mel, mm. I you, covered a lot there. I'll just say this. I, I, here's my question, though, for Mel, just in terms of draft. Do you, as you just look at this team, do you think they're close? I mean, do you think that hey, they should be disappointed if they don't win nine games? I, 
I don't know if they are. Yeah, they should be because I thought they could win that division this year, this past year. They, they didn't come close to it. You're in a division where Indianapolis struggled. Uh, you think about Houston, what they're doing. Tennessee's getting close, but they're not where they want to be yet. They're the team to watch. And there's Jacksonville. This was a division you could have had, and you didn't. And the quarterback is a conundrum. It's it's a it's one of these dilemmas. Is it, is it Bortles or is it the offensive line that has been horrible? You can't run the ball against a brick wall, and that's what Yeldon tried to do. Yeldon had a good rookie year. Didn't do anything this year. Why? Because the offensive line stunk it up. So the receivers, you thought they were ready to emerge, and every time one looks like he's ready to emerge, he falls back. And then the one that was back fall goes up a little bit. Nobody's ever on the same page here in terms of development. Okay, The offensive line, Bortles to me, and I say it's a conundrum, Todd, because watching him and Chris, he would look great late in games when it didn't matter. Okay, teams are playing soft and saying, hey, come on down the field. We'll give you four or five minutes to come down and get a touchdown. You're down by four or five scores anyway. But when it mattered, he was terrible. His mechanics were, you'll bet Mahomes, his mechanics were, 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 it was painful to watch him throw. Painful to watch him throw a football. The ball came out of his hands, awful. His mechanics were horrendous. It was just bad. And then it wouldn't matter, and he'd be completing passes, and his stats at the end of the day for the fantasy leaguers looked okay. But... I don't know what you blame it on. You know, did he fall back because the offensive line was so bad? He had no running game, or is it just Bortles at Central Florida? The Baylor game was another game was a big game. He played well. It didn't seem like pressure bothered him there when he was the underdog. So I don't know what's going on with Bortles. I don't know if you can kind of recreate him and, and boost him back up with the new staff and what have you. But Bortles is going to make it or break it this year because this is the final year to see what he can do. This is a, a new coach who's been there. I think one more year to see if you can like kind of fix it. If you can't fix them this year, you got to cut the cord. Mel, who's your pick at four? This is Mel's draft, not the Jags draft. Who's your pick? Well, I think the one that everybody seems to think is the back end. That safety that's going to Jamal Adams would be a guy who's a heck of a football player that would make a lot of sense. Uh, you know, obviously there's going to be some defensive players there that are really good. What if Allen's there? We'll see what Chicago does. Uh, but I think Jamal Adams, the safety out of LSU. But at the end of the day, Jamal Adams can be a pro bowler. If Blake Portals is like he was last year, then I'll win him any games. Guys, let's hit the mailbag. Oh, we got some good stuff in here. I'll start with Todd, because I know Todd likes this guy. He has him pretty high on his top 32. Neil Stevenson at Neil Salmon 71. I like this question. Hey, what's so good about Solomon Thomas? Well, watch that North Carolina game, and it won't take <laughs> that long. Now, He's not a speed rusher. He's a speed-to-power rusher. He's a guy who can win with his hands, long arms. He's got a prototypical frame for a left defensive end in the league, uh, but he can also kick inside and, I think, rush from the interior on obvious passing downs when you want to. So there's some versatility there. He's, he's six, I think he's estimated about 6'2", 270, 275, and he's, he's got quickness. He's got power. I think the, it kind of all came together this last year. And, and I think he's got a chance to be a really good player and, and play some different, wear some different hats in the league, which a lot of teams obviously are looking for uh, with the, the various personnel packages and trying to, to be so multiple up front but not have to, to substitute guys on and off the, f- the field. I think uh, Solomon Thomas really appeals to, to a lot of teams because of that and because he, he just continues to get better. If he were there, Todd, for New Orleans, that's where I project. If he's there for New Orleans, uh, I think it would be a really good pick for the Saints, who, who seem to be interested in, in upgrading the defensive line. Uh, but I think a third-year sophomore is all he is, Solomon Thomas. And we have – I had five third-year sophomores in that first round, Todd. So this is unprecedented. So now we have 22 underclassmen in the first round, which has happened before. We had a high number there. But have five third-year sophomores in round one. I don't know when we've had that happen before. 
Adam Milton, at Adam Milton, asks Mel Kuyper. Charles Harris out of Mizzou, how high is the ceiling? Another He's got a chance rusher. to be a good pass rusher. There were some games where he was silent, and I was disappointed. A couple of games I highlighted him on ESPN.com as a guy moving up, and then the next week he would be somewhat quiet. I know you addressed him if you're an offensive line coach and you're going in to play Missouri. He's the targeted guy. But, you know, hey, there's a lot of t- everybody that's a great pass rusher is targeted by the opponent, and, and you try to chip him and, and double him and do all that. But, uh, you know, Harris to me could play on his feet. He could play with his hand on the ground. He gives you some versatility, but his stock has dropped from where I thought it was going to be. Thought I thought when the season began, and I saw him in some games this year look like a top 10, top 15 guy. In other games, like I said, he was quiet. Now I have him going to Atlanta towards the end of that pick number 31 near the end of the first round. Yeah, he's, you're right. He's up and down this year. And I think I thought he had a chance to kind of break out, but really didn't. He didn't play with a lot of consistency this year. And I think could still be a late first rounder. Struggled a little bit with his evaluation. I think I've given him an early second round grade, but I also only have about 20 guys that, that have true first round grades so far. So I think we got Miles Garrett, Solomon Thomas from, from Stanford we just talked about, Taco Charlton from Michigan, Derek Barnett's more of a mid to, to late first rounder, could even slip out of the first round. And then I would, I would say Charles Harris is in that same area maybe a little bit below Derek Barnett in terms of, of grade and where I project him to go. Uh, let's see here for Todd. Judge Muggsy, at Judge Muggsy. Who will be, this is kind of tough, but maybe it's throw out a name or two. Who's going to be under the most pressure to hit a combine performance out of the park uh, this year, guys? Todd, what do you think? Just maybe a name or two off the top of your head. Mm-hmm. Uh well, I think, first of all, with the third-year sophomores, with such little information and a lack of game tape, I mean, how, how does Marshawn Lattimore really run? You know, is he really a, a low 4-4 guy or not? I think all these corners, it's going to be interesting. We've got, I think, five of seven or six of eight corners that are underclassmen, the top, top guys, Lattimore from Ohio State, Tease Tabor and Qu- Quincy Wilson, both underclassmen from Florida, uh, Sidney Jones, an underclassman from, from Washington, Jordan Lewis is one of the seniors. Tredavious White from LSU is one of the, the seniors. But Marlon Humphrey from Bama is an underclassman. Adoree Jackson uh, from USC. And then the other Ohio State corner, uh, Gary Ann Conley, is an underclassman. So we just we don't know what these guys run. And so for so many of these guys, it's going to be interesting to see how they work out and do the numbers match up, especially at positions like cornerback, safety, wide receiver. Um, you know, What's Mike Williams? Mike Williams is a big one. I think the Clemson receiver, because he's got everything that you look for, the ball skills, the size, the physicality, the blocking, uh, catching in traffic, late separation. But can, can he run a number where you feel good using a top 15 pick on Mike Williams? I think he's, if he can, I, don't, I project he's a 4-5 guy, 4-5-5, somewhere that range. If he runs in the 4-4s, now it gets interesting because he's got, all, like I said, all the other skills that you look for. And Corey Davis won't run at the Combine, but will run later coming out of Western Michigan. He's dealing with an injury right now. But he's expected to run in the 4-4s at, at 6-2 and change, over 210 pounds. If he does that eventually, then I think he's a lock to be a top 20 pick and could be the first receiver off the board. Yeah, I'll just add a couple of things, Todd, to what you said. is Marlon Humphrey. Marlon Humphrey struggled in some coverage opportunities. He was beaten mm-hmm. some. Uh, he's a third-year sophomore, great bloodlines with his father, Bobby. He will test probably, Todd, off the charts. Over a 40 vertical, great 40 time, great athleticism, the length, the size, the height, all that. Marlon Humphrey, I think, will benefit 
from Combine Pro Day. Christian McCaffrey should benefit Combine Pro Day. Derek Barnett, is he a great collegian who will just be a decent pro, or is he a great collegian who will be also a great pro? I think that will be important for Barnett. Jabril Peppers, where do you play him? But if he tests off the charts, somebody's going to stretch it a bit for Jabril Peppers. And a guy I put at the Kansas City, Zay Jones. If he can build on the momentum from Senior Bowl week and the great year he had, 22 catches in one game, and, and the versatility play, any position, outside, inside slot, kick return experience, great kid, great character, will block. If Zay Jones runs in the 4-4 range, that will help him immensely. All right, let's see here. One last question. Mel, Reed Foster at the Reed Foster you have had Leonard Fournette, at least in one uh, mock, going to Carolina. But uh, somebody asked, do you think Carolina has to take advantage of being this unexpectedly high in the draft to steal a great pass rusher? Yeah, they could. I, Taco Charlton is who I gave him in mock number two. And, yep. and Taco's got length. Uh, he's got great production. You go back to the Ohio State game with the two-and-a-half sacks. And uh, late in the year, how dominant he was. Uh, you know, Taco Charlton, the Carolina, would give him that, that pass rusher. Uh, there's no offensive lineman. Uh, they obviously could use that left tackle. There's no offensive lineman to take. I think Garrett Bowles from Utah will get pushed up as we keep moving weeks into the months. Remember, we're 70 days, have 69 days till the draft. I think Bowles will get help, not that much, though, into the top 10 but i would say taco charlton to carolina would make a heck of a lot of sense all right well we hit a lot today the running backs the mystery there we got through the browns the niners the bears and the jags next week we'll hit on some more things and we'll also get into the tennessee titans who have a couple first round picks thanks to their trade with the rams we'll hit the jets who have some similar problems to years past namely quarterback the chargers and as well, that Carolina Panthers team. Um, Todd, what's the current beard status? Uh, I trimmed it up a little bit the other night. It's, it's still here. It's about what you saw on TV. I'm you know, debating whether to just let it rip for the combine I'm or, telling or you, to I'm telling clean you, it Mel, Todd's in. Uh, Greeny is in now. Rosillo's kind of holding steady. There's a lot of this going on. I tried, but I can't do it, Todd. But I, I hope you keep it till the draft. And I mean, what do you too. what do you think? Keep it or no? Keep it. I'd ride it. Yeah, I'd go all the way through the draft. Then when well, we get hot the summer, if do, you want, yeah, you want we'll to get, when you're out golfing then, every day, you could probably take it off in. Then we'll we'll check the right. Nielsen ratings, and you know if we're up, it's Todd. Mm-hmm. All right, all right. Well, we've done it all. Most importantly, we ended on a high note there with the beard talk. Uh, I'm Chris Brown, Todd Mel. We'll do it again next week. Thanks for listening to First Draft. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com slash podcenter.